0: Welcome to the Mind Wealth Podcast. We're going to talk today about cash flow and what that means and uh, try and give you some clarification on how that applies to your life and how you can use it better.
1: Hmm. All right. So this idea of cash flow, um, we've talked about a whole bunch of different times throughout different videos, but we haven't like gone in depth about what it really means. So I wanted um, to have a discussion starting with Alan because he's always talking about cash flow. Um, what does a cash flow mean to people? Like uh, as, as a, a regular employee type person, or uh, as a business o- o- owner, uh, what does cash flow mean?
2: Well, I'll go right back to the beginning. I'm gonna say in 1984, 1986, I took a course called um, MacAtax, and it was all about cash flow. And it was a fellow out of Winnipeg, his name was Harvey McIntyre, and it was the most valuable course I've ever taken in finance. Since that day, it's still the most valuable thing that I've ever learned. And what we had to do initially was account for every single nickel, quarter, dime that came into the household, and also account for every nickel, quarter that went into the parking meter. Like everything had to be accounted for in a ledger. So we hand tracked it and you saw where every penny went and it became very obvious to me after the first year that wow we gave the banks over eleven thousand dollars in interest in our mortgage that that first year that's like eleven thousand bucks that's almost a thousand bucks a month going out in interest for our mortgage and then we started looking at other different areas where the money was going and realizing wow we spend we spend four hundred dollars a month or eight hundred dollars a month eating out well we were building a house at the time so we ate out a lot, but 800 bucks a month? You need to know how much you're spending in order to recognize that, gee, maybe we can do something different with that. Mm-hmm. So I started tracking expenses, and, I, and my wife was really um, annoyed because I wanted her to account for every single penny. But that training carried on right into our business 25 years later, where she was really good at reconciling bank accounts and making sure everything balanced at the end of every month and every payday and every statement. So, I realized back then it's the foundation of everything that we do is cash flow. And in order to get control of it, you need to know where it's going. How much is coming in? Where is it coming from? How reliable is it? How can I get more of it? And then where's it going and it? how can I keep more of that? So, we want to get control of the cash flow. We need to know where it's going in the first place before you can even start. You mm-hmm. need to know where it's going. And that could take three months. To see your spending behavior, your patterns, you know, are you an impulse buyer where you're feeling depressed and you go out and you spend money because that's what makes you feel better. Some people eat, some people drink, some people do whatever. So spending money quite often can be an outlet or a way of coping with stresses in your life. And so recognizing that you get to see oh how much money you spent at the Dairy Queen or on fancy coffees from Starbucks or you know you start looking Amazon. at Amazon, Amazon online shopping it's it, that's a huge <clears> issue <throat> these days people are addicted to it
1: oh yeah I am they're addicted to it
2: <laughs> and um, so so if you want to do something about your finances you need to recognize well what are you currently doing, and that's the foundation I think of cash flow, now all all during these years I've always looked at cash flow helping clients. Uh, better organize their finances and and, uh, find some money to save and invest for their future, how to tackle debt more effectively. That's really been the focus of my entire career in this business and I'd have to say that there's not a lot of other people that poke their noses into helping people get their tax returns done and finding the right receipts and making sure they structure their affairs to be most beneficial where they pay the least amount of income tax. And we we have a legal right to do that, to reduce the amount of taxes we're legally obliged to pay. And so that's part of what I do as well. How can we pay less tax? Well, if we structure our affairs a little bit differently, we can actually have a tax deduction instead of an expense. If you borrow for investment purposes or into real estate or a business, you can actually deduct the interest. Now, ironically, most of us will go out and we will finance and borrow for consumable stuff. Stuff that's dropping in value, could be your vehicles or big screen TVs or a holiday or a snowmobile or anything. We have no problem financing that, but show me the average person that's quite comfortable going out and borrowing $50,000 to invest. Not,
1: not comfortable. Not very many people yeah.
2: are keen on doing that. That would be the main reason why you should. Why? Because then you're creating another source of income with your money. So you're borrowing it, but you're also Uh, putting it to work to create a supplemental income for you. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to work. The money or your investment is working for you. That's a novel idea. Why don't we do that with all of our investments? And back in 2009, 2008, that's exactly what I did. I had all my my clients, they lost some of them 15% down to 30% over nine months of 2008. We recovered that money and the first thing we did was pull to the sidelines and set that money aside to, and cash to figure out well what are we going to do different going forward? We're not going to go back and start doing the same things over again. So the question comes up. Well what do people want in retirement? Well they want income. They want $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, 3500 a month. They want income. Where's that income gonna come from? Well, we're gonna get some from old age pension, some from the Canada Pension Plan, some from maybe your company pension, some from your RSPs, some from your tax-free savings, some from a part-time job. We wanna create supplemental sources or, or uh, a diversity of income sources. So you've got it coming from different places. And of course our family has been involved in uh, Airbnbs or renting our basement suite out as a supplemental source of income for our home. And that's what we should be looking at. So when I started reallocating the money back into investments for all my clients, we only chose investments that generated monthly income streams. So I could tell my client every month how much income their portfolio was generating. So when they got to the point down the road at age 50, 55, 60, 65, I could tell them exactly how much money their portfolio would provide them in income because that's what we want to know not accumulating a million dollars, or which is the pie in the sky, uh, trying to save a bunch of money with a whole bunch of factors that we have no control over, which is what most people are doing. They have no control over the taxes, inflation, stock market crashes, economic downturns, a disease like COVID that's hit us and affected us, financially get get laid off from your job become disabled uh, have a critical illness where you got where you you know terminally possibly terminally ill mm-hmm. all of these things have a huge impact on any future planning so if we're building portfolios that have access to income streams that changes everything we know exactly where we're at at any given point in time so i moved my entire 46 million in assets into only income generating funds for my clients what was the benefit of that well those, that income would generate cash every month. And we would set that cash aside into a savings account, a cash account, where the money would accumulate for emergencies. If they had to cash some of their RSP, and we'd have money sitting in cash at no risk. Taking profits, obviously this, the, these were profits that the investments were making, so we'd set that aside in the cash account as well every month. Or let's say there was a, a major market downturn and the market went down 15%. We got cash to work with. We can go and pick up some bargains here on something that we don't have in the portfolio that we should have, that we, you know, or we got a, something, we got a small holding we want to add to it because it's doing really well. So this was a strategy that I employed, and um, I still swear by it. I think it makes so much sense. It takes away the ability from uh, clients to want to do the right thing at the right time. Most of them want to do the wrong thing at the worst time. Mm-hmm. And so I created a portfolio that created cash, which is opportunity money or emergency money. And I still stand by that. Again, it's access to cash. I've got money sitting in cash with no risk if I need to dip into it. Yeah. We need cash. Doing.
1: So, we, like, that's what, you know, Being having the appropriate amount of cash flow um, also means having the appropriate amount of money that is, like, available to you to take advantage of opportunities. Right. Because that could increase your cash flow even more down the road. Um, you know, be, having to pay your your mortgage payment in a traditional mortgage means that you paid them fifteen hundred bucks and then it's gone the bank has it and you can't get it back right um so that's that's that kind of cash flow is is not nearly as good as having like we were saying a manual life one uh, a, account where you put 1500 bucks in and you still have access to pull that 1500 bucks back out later aside from the monthly interest that they're going to charge you on, on that on that line of credit mortgage um, that you have on your house. So having that opportunity money is really important. You know, you had it in these cash accounts for, for people's investments back when you were doing that side of the business. But then having more opportunity money somewhere else uh, is really important. Having that cash flow in the positive for what you have so that you've got access to that money. But you're also, you know, paying off your debts. You're also um, getting to the point where you're paying the least amount of interest and all that stuff. That's the, the cash flow, knowing, knowing all the details. Yeah. Well, what ba- you started off, off with was, um, you know, figuring out this ledger of everything you're spending. And, and that's kind of what I talked about in the last episode was with the fact map. You need to know your facts about what it is you're spending, what it is you're making, and where it's all going. Mm-hmm. And that's going to reveal to you wh- what... How you can increase your cash flow by making more by spending less by creating something else that's another asset that is making you money then hmm those kind of things go ahead
0: um I was just gonna say that like it's you know important to remember that any debt you have that is making you more than the interest you're paying on it that you don't have to work for to pay it back, so something that is making more money that like Using your money to make money instead of using your time or, or your energy um, physically, to create the wealth—that's that's that's all good debt. Yeah, debt's okay to have. You don't need to have no debt, but the right kind of debt is that you you want to focus on getting the right kind of debt. Yeah, the debt. So getting out of the shitty debt or the bad debt. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And into, the debt that is really, valuable. That everybody has it's a hard time. Positive cash flow.
1: Yeah. Positive cash flow debt. If you have positive um, cash flow debt, then well, is it really bad debt? No, it's not. It's making you money.
2: Well, where where do we get off the rails here? Where where do things end up getting twisted? If I was to suggest to you guys, you know what? I think we should we should use leverage, and uh, and um, and take some money and borrow it. Like we want to borrow some money and invest it. That's called leverage. And, of course, the securities uh, say that that's really risky. You've got to be a sophisticated investor. You're incurring more risk because you're borrowing to invest and all of this stuff. But what happens when you buy a house and you've got $20,000 down on a $120,000 house? You use leverage, right? You've got 20000 bucks, but you're borrowing $120,000 or hundred. dollars yeah. It's leverage. Nobody's talking about all the risk that goes along with that. Well, why would that be, that it's okay to buy a house... But it's not okay to buy an investment that actually can earn you money. It's the same thing. It's yeah, the same, we've talked same about payment, same bill, everything. Yet it's one is so risky and the other one isn't. Right. Well, that's totally opposite. We should If we started saving and investing at the start and leveraging um, into more and more, you would enjoy compounding over the course of 20, 25 years. You would see your money growing because you put some money to work early. Yeah. You didn't spend it. You know, we're taught to spend all our money, our consumables, and we make more money, we spend more, we move into a bigger house, you know, a nicer car, nicer clothes, go on more holidays, we consume it. We don't make some concessions early on in our savings to put that money to work to start building some wealth for us down the road. Mm -hmm. So why is it important to have access to, to money? Quite often, you pay your mortgage down at the bank, and then you need money to go buy a car. So you paid the bank back principal, and they've got that money available to them to lend back out to you and you say, well, we'll give you a car loan. It's, it's your, own, your own money that you had in your house that you paid back to them that they're gonna lend back to you and your family. And so they're, they're lending the money and leveraging it and multiplying it times 10 when they lend it back out. So they're doing really well with the money. Why don't we set up our own system like becoming your own banker like per se that's ex- exactly what we would like to be is be our own banker so we put the money into our own little vault our savings account or our banking system where we can get at it when we need it without having to qualify without having to apply no credit checks It'll make some big long list of reasons why you want the money you know no income verification nothing you just you need the money you get to use it and you don't have to qualify I I see so many places where people are locked into their mortgages, they can't get the money back until they sell the house or refinance, or they've got it into the Canada Pension Plan, can't get at that, or it's in a company pension plan, they can't get at that until they're 55, 60, 65 years old. That may not be appropriate for you. You might need that money because of a family emergency, because of sickness, because of uh, job loss, and if you've got all your money going in these other places where you have no access to it, what good is that? what good is it who cares about retirement if you've got a terminal illness when you're 55 like who cares who cares about long-term planning you're trying to figure out how i'm going to get through the next six months and feed the family and pay your pay your heating bills
1: yeah and have a good quality of life or whatever that exactly be.
2: so that's important that we design our finances to have access to that now hardly anybody's out there teaching that no. this is what we've been doing for years we use Uh, A line of credit type account, and I'll mention the name because you can get them at all the banks, but the one we use and like is Manulife Bank. Their Manulife One product is a line of credit, and your house is the collateral. For a financial advisor, this is a phenomenal toolbox to get our cash flow back under control, unify other debts and get them under one place at the lowest interest rate, simple interest, not compounded in advance, where we can use all the money flowing through our hands to reduce the cost of borrowing, Rather than just the monthly payment that most people are making, mm-hmm. it's, it makes a huge difference. Oh, well, you can pay it down as quickly as you want too. Quick, That's the other thing, That's the other thing, thing that is worth
1: mentioning about this, and this is where like so valued, valuable to me as a business owner because I don't have um, regular cash flow. The way that my business works um, is that there's projects, and sometimes they take a long time, and sometimes they, um, you know, they're large projects, and maybe I have it's set up for the payment terms to have me some cash flow, but really all, when it all is said and done, I still have huge shifts in, in time where I don't have any money and then all of a sudden I have a ton of money coming in as, uh, as revenue for the business. So in a traditional mortgage, even if it has this home equity line of credit thing that comes along with it, you still have your mortgage payment that you pay that, whatever that is monthly. They still have your terms set. Um, for what that is. And as soon as you pay that payment, then you get, you'll unlock some more room in your line of credit. But the manual life one is different is like, I could literally just take a whole bunch of money that I receive um, as profits from, from my business when I'm ready to take an income and I can drop all of it into my manual life account and immediately save on interest, reduce your debt, reduce my debt immediately until I need to go and use that Later. So I could make twenty thousand dollars in one month and I could drop the whole twenty thousand dollars in there and I would immediately pay less interest on that right away until I need to go and use it. And I you know, spend three thousand uh, bucks a month on my general expenses for food and lodging and gas and hydro and like all these different things. So the the, the ability for me to do that is saving me a ton of money. Uh, as long as I have the right mentality, as long as I use it the right way, as long as I don't just go and take all those profits that I made and go and buy myself a, something else that is going to give me negative cash flow instead of positive cash flow.
2: Well, what's the hardest thing for most people to do when they get into financial difficulty and maybe they're off work and they're on disability or they're on sick leave and they're not making as much money? Typically, they have to go back into the bank and renegotiate a loan, renegotiate a mortgage because they're not able to maintain their their commitments. By having the type of line of credit that we recommend with Manulife, you don't have to do that. It's pre-set up. Initially, when you set it up, you can access the money. You don't have to ask anybody anything. You don't have to make any payments. The interest gets just accrued to the account every month. So you don't even have to make any payments as long as you got the room, Mm -hmm. You know the the room in the equity. And so that gives you a lot of flexibility. And we have had um, a family member who um, exercised that option. He was off sick for almost two years, and thankfully he had this line of credit set up on his house where he could access it to weather through the storm and didn't have to change anything. Mm -hmm. It was a lifesaver. And so we we realized the value of having access to cash without having to qualify or apply for it is paramount in all the different things that can go wrong in our lives, especially this past year. So many people are realizing like, wow, sure, didn't count on that, mm-hmm. you know?
1: So the, the one thing uh, about cash flow is knowing what's coming in and what's going out and actually being able to track all that stuff. And the other side of it is having the right tools at your disposal to be able to handle fluctuations and changes in unforeseen circumstances so that you can still maintain what you need um, if your cash flow changes. You can still have it. So the, for you know, having that, that type of mortgage in place is a really good thing. Having other, your money in other places that is liquid is another thing. Um, but in terms of cash flow, um, you have a, a, a tool that you use. You have a giant questionnaire that you get people to fill out to fill out a, a bunch of information about um, where they're at. So it, it asks them all the right questions. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should have that. We should make that available to people. So if they're listening here, they can go to MyCustomBank.com to this episode. Um, And so this episode is going to be episode four of season two, uh, and it's going to be called Cash Flow. So maybe I'll I'll make the link so that it's MyCustomBank.com forward slash cash flow. Uh-huh. And there'll be um, a, a questionnaire that, that you can either download or you can fill out um, online and it'll do a whole bunch of stuff for you, give you all the right questions that you need to, to know, at least to get yourself into a snapshot of, um, of where you're at. Now, this is one of the things that I geek out about is like I took this information, I took all of these questions that you ask people and I put them all into a spreadsheet and I had the spreadsheet do a whole bunch of calculations for me. I call it the snapshot calculator um, and that's something that um, Alan uses when he's talking to people on, on the phone, when he's doing a phone interview with them or in, or in person and being able to fill this information in into the spreadsheet and then have it give you a whole bunch more numbers it automatically adds up a bunch of numbers it automatically figures out what your monthly expenses are and your, mon- your monthly income is and your yearly stuff and what you can expect it, it, so it, it automatically kind of takes those numbers that you can, you can find out quickly and then gives us more information on top of that So it's kind of this extra thing that that we've created that's useful. Um, And it gives you so much more information, so much more um, of a pulse on what what your cash flow is and and how you can – it reveals to you where you can make changes to make things better. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It has to be
2: written down. That's really the key. You have to have it down on paper where you can see it or on spreadsheets Yeah. so you can see what the actual numbers are. Then you can start highlighting the – I mean, I also request – uh, bring in copies of all your credit card statements. I want to see where you spend your money. Bring in copies of your checking and saving statements from the bank. I want to see what, where the money is going. How do you spend your money? Do you spend it on a debit card? Do you write checks? Do you use a credit card? How do you spend your money? There's patterns there that can help discover how you can get better control of your spending. You know, and the bottom line is, is go to cash. Start using cash where you actually give yourself an allowance. I'll let you speak on that the importance of working with cash. Yeah, cash flows, I mean,
0: hand in hand with physical cash, obviously. Um, but <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, when you have cash and you go to purchase something, um, you have a way better chance of getting uh, uh, either a fair price or a deal. When you're when you're buying, um, as compared to like getting a loan and paying interest on it and whatever else, right? Um, what else were you thinking that I would?
2: Well, you you take uh, a weekly income yourself. Yeah, you know in well, cash. Sure. So then you know when the cash is gone for the week, you've spent your allowance basically. Mm-hmm. So you you have a pulse on your spending.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing that I changed this year, that's impacted my life. Uh, dramatically and financially is I started paying myself first out of anybody in my business and who I owe money to suppliers whatever I guarantee that I pay myself um, a set amount every every Monday morning I transfer it no matter how my bank account looks because it's shifted my mind frame of how I look at making money and that if, the king don't eat, the kingdom falls. So I got to eat first. I got to make sure that my house and my family is taken care of and I'm not constantly trying to scrape by while giving everybody else their money first. Um, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of first because then it's going to relieve the pressure at home of not having enough to be able to create a lot more in my business. That's the shift that I had that has been blowing my mind for the last three and three and a half months where um, I can't believe where I've got to in such a short amount of time. And it's been uh, really, really impactful. I've I've been actually, it was something I learned from Robert Kiyosaki years ago. And I implemented it at one point last year, I think, for a few months and um, didn't stick with it. And so I made the decision again that that's I'm going to be doing that. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing the fruit from changing my mind shift. That's all it took was literally the, 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 to learn something new and then apply it and change my mind around how I see money and how I view money, which I think we should have another podcast about that, the, the, the concept about how we see money. Do, like I, I, I know I felt a, like I... Th- thought that money having a lot of money made me feel like dirty or like like uh, I did something bad to get there or like there's all these other emotions attached to it that I think a lot of people struggle with when they see people with money and they don't have enough when really it's just the mindset Mm -hmm. of how you see money and how you Mm -hmm. think about making money and stuff like that but um, something I'd like to talk about which I think is relevant to cash flow is what do you guys think? I've just learned about this a lot, like a, a lot more in depth of the idea and the narrative behind it, but what do you think about retirement? What does that mean to you? And why do you think that it's here and that it ha- it, it has a meaning and it and it's so valuable to, to most people? And w- what does that look like for you? I know you have some ideas around this, and And I'd like to expand on what I've learned and kind of how I see it differently now um after after I ask the question.
1: Mm. Retirement, yeah, well, the word means to like move on to something else, retiring this and starting this and And for a lot of people that have the idea of retirement they're they're thinking well they're that's when they're they stop working and they start just having the the remainder of their life to to do whatever but that's for people I think that the idea of a retirement is more it should be more thought of an evolution than it should be as like an end of this and a start of that because some people need to retire um, from doing physical labor jobs in their 30s. You know, and they need to they need to evolve. They have to have an evolution into something else. But in reality, I think that everyone needs to think about themselves being a productive member of society for as long as they are poss- they are able to do that, for whatever that means. And the best thing that anybody could do is to start off somewhere and to be continually evolving and changing and growing into where they get to the point where they just love what they're doing and it doesn't matter, they don't have to stop doing it because that's just what they love doing. Um, And they can continue maybe making money doing whatever that thing is. Um, So I don't know, the retirement for me isn't really like something that I am going to do in terms of the traditional thought of a retirement because um, I'm not ever gonna stop evolving, expanding and producing unless I'm physically or mentally not able to Um, and that's the thing even physically if I wasn't able to there's still the mental side of it so it's only when some kind of degenerate disease would happen to me where I couldn't uh, mentally do that anymore would would that stop so that's my idea of retirement and and or not retirement like I don't think that um, the majority of people need to retire what do you think
2: I have a lot of thoughts on this Uh, The first one being is most people Most people talk about retirement. They think of that London life ad, uh, Freedom 55, where the guy's out on the beach enjoying his life at 55 years old. That is not reality for the average working person. They'd like to think they'd like to quit work at 55, they'd like to get out of the pulp mill, get out of what they're doing for a living, but they are not financially prepared for 30 years of retirement. So I think people should get realistic about how much money they go through today. And if they can't even save or get ahead to provide for those 30 years of retirement, they better plan on continuing to work. That's the reality. Personally, I don't have a retirement plan. I hope to keep on working and producing for as long as I can. I've made some changes in the last two years, obviously, to reduce my workload, and I'm really happy about it, but I love coming to work. I love what I'm doing. Why would I stop doing it? I'll be 69 in July. I'm hoping I can still be functional and participating and producing something of value uh, five years, 10 years from now, I really do, because I enjoy coming here, more so than sitting at home, walking the halls, looking out the back door and the back window. Or going to golf and uh, drive your car and whatever. Yeah, that's fine for an hour or two. I don't need to quit work to do it. But I, I prepared a course years ago for the university and it was called, What Are You Doing After Work? And this was a very valuable exercise. So it's more than just stopping doing what, you, what you're what you doing. It has to do with, well, what are you going to do instead? Why do I say that? Well, when I come to work, I have a reputation. I have a position. I have a purpose. I have a paycheck. I might have my own locker and a coffee cup with my name on it. I might have a... A crest on my jacket Close saying who friends. I am. I have friends. I have a network of people that I that I like to be around. I have a client base that I like to work with and stay stay involved in. What am I going to do to replace those things when I quit working? Because I am, for the lo- a large part, what I do. And so take away what I do. Who am I when I'm just wandering around the house at home looking for? I'm bored, looking for something to do. That but is not my idea of, of of what I want to be doing when I quit working.
1: Totally. But that's because you figured that out like a long time ago and you found your purpose a long time ago and you're yeah. doing that. Not, not everyone has a great job. Not everyone has things right. that they love to do. It's not, you know, their job maybe it maybe is who they are in terms of like that's part of their identity because that's what they do for the majority of their, their time. But they don't want to be that. Mm-hmm you know they still want to go home and work on model trains right. or something like that like that's what they're they're into uh, not doing the the job that they're doing so you're so much more in alignment than what like a lot of other people are mm-hmm. and that's that's a huge benefit that's I mean some people don't have that luxury
2: well you know I look at the other side of it you know your mother my wife passed away at 60 years old yeah. she didn't get to retirement My sister, 61 years old, two years before that passed away. She didn't have, she had a retirement, but it wasn't what they'd planned. They were planning on going on a boat and and going down the coast. She had emphysema. She couldn't leave her oxygen tank and go farther than the shopping mall. So much for retirement. How many people, lives get changed because of a health issue for one of the other, one of the family members or the other, uh, that change everything. Thank goodness. In in my case, we had a good life. We traveled, we did lots of fun stuff, we raised three wonderful sons, we've got grandchildren we love and care for. We had a good life. I have no regrets. How sad it would be if I put off having that motorcycle or that car or that holiday, that cruise, those things that people wanna, well, when I retire, I'm gonna do this or get that. How sad it would be if they retired and didn't get to do all those things that he planned on doing for any reason. Mm-hmm. How sad and disappointing of a life that would be for them. And so you have to enjoy life along the way. There has to be a balance, because you could be around for 30 years when you're no longer receiving a big income. Uh, but you create a lifestyle to become accustomed to. Who's going to be who's going to be content to eat you know cat food and uh, and, and live in a mobile home like that? May not be everybody's idea of retirement based on what they've been used to for the previous 50 years. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear what you're...
0: So, so it goes back to um, the narrative or the idea of where that came from. Who created retirement? The word and what it means. Where did it come from? Germany. Germany, I have no idea. Hmm. But I know that it was governments and banks that had a huge part in selling that as an idea that you need to plan for your retirement you need to not focus on cash flow but focus on giving us your money to build up some large sum of money for when you decide to retire at a certain age right so that you can live off of that large sum of money we take care of for you not how do you find all the investments you can, that you control, that you can make money off of every month that you don't have to work for right. to create income that comes in still after you retire every month that you Cash can guarantee no. and count on because you created it, you control it mm-hmm. and everything. Not this large sum of money that when you die after retirement, most people friggin die everything within five years of retiring. And all of a sudden, the government gets 52% or 49% or whatever of all your life savings that you saved up for them. Right. Oh, man, they're just so happy that you just decided that you loved to. you wanted to retire yeah. and you wanted to save your money and make sure you were going to be set up perfectly fine for those last years of your life instead right. of enjoying mm-hmm. some money. Obviously, not all of it, but focusing on creating income-generating streams, and enjoying your life throughout your life. Yeah. Don't wait till the end because you don't ever know when the last day is because anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So you better enjoy every single second of your life that you can to its fullest while still being responsible with the money you're you're creating, you're mm-hmm. enjoying. You're, yeah. I yeah. think that is a massive thing that needs to be looked at and shown to a lot of people because mm-hmm. the idea... The mind behind it is really what's holding a lot of people back from making the right decisions or looking at the right things in their life to change so that they can start enjoying life now and taking control back of their own money.
1: Yeah, that's good. So kind of what you're saying is really that if you were to focus on cash flow right now and you focused on cash flow from now until you were 65, then by the time you got to 65, you you wouldn't even need to work. You'd still have the cash flow. Uh, to do all the things you want to do, and you don't need to um, sacrifice your, your life bet- between now and, and, and that time, but you also don't need to have a giant stockpile of money sitting somewhere that someone else has full control over and is, is totally using it for their own benefit until you start using it,
0: Right until you want it. if you're focusing on cash flow, that means you're not in a system where you don't have control of your money. Yeah. When you are focusing on cash flow, that means you are in control of your money. You're learning about money. You're making sure that you are being a good steward of your own money, not allowing someone else to try and be a good steward of your money Mm -hmm. and keep it in a good place for you.
1: Yeah. So a good start for that is mycustombank.com forward slash cash flow. I'll make sure I have that. um, I'll have that. PDF there as well as you can fill out the online one if you want to and uh, if you do that um, we can give you uh, some extra information on top of that so um, it's uh, up to you which way you want to go but uh, we'll have that available for you. So if you want
0: to learn how to take control of your cash flow and bring some new ideas into your life and uh, do that give us a call go on our website contact us come in and see us We'd love to share what we've learned and uh, get you on your way.
1: Yep.
2: That's my passion. That keeps me coming to the office every day. Mm -hmm. You know, the best advice in the world has no value if it's not implemented. And, you know, we feel that what we've learned over the years is valuable advice. But surprisingly, a lot of people aren't asking for it because they don't know what we know. And so part of our responsibility, my responsibility going forward is education, helping educate um, our our families and and our friends and our clients about an alternative way of managing their finances, which really goes against the grain of conventional financial planning, conventional banking, conventional pensions. It goes against that and we have, some alternatives to consider that we believe are one of the best kept secrets in the financial world. And unless you have an interest in trying to find out, you'll probably never know because it won't be advertised on TV. However, we know that the wealthiest people in the country, in North America, are using different strategies than what the average person is using. They're paying less income taxes, they're living off of loans, they're, uh, they've are they got income generating investments, and they protect their wealth with insurance one of the foundational things that they use is protecting all that they've built and all that they've saved by having it insured who talks about that mm-hmm. we talk about mortgage insurance and you know different types of insurance but how about protecting your assets protecting your income protecting all that you built your whole life very few people overlook they most people overlook that and that's another area that we've discovered just in the last 8 years uh, where you can put some of your family's wealth to actually store it tax-protected, tax-free, and be able to pass it on to your kids and your grandchildren tax-free with no reporting to the government. I mean, it's a wonderful tool, but it's one of the best-kept secrets in the, in the insurance business as well as in the investment world. But the wealthier are using it, mm-hmm. and we know about it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. That's the end of our cash flow episode. Thank you for listening.
2: Time to start
0: thinking wealthy.